Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. Whether you're an experienced agent, new to the industry, a property manager or principal, join us in conversations with fellow industry peers. Stone Industry Conversations will bring you content to inspire and inform you on your journey in real estate. Well, hello everyone and joining me today is Abdullah Chadhari, who's making waves on the Central Coast and is building one of the most exciting real estate businesses in Australia. And I'm proud to say he's our newest franchisee, joining us from Tumbiumbi in Berkeley Vale, in the middle part of the Central Coast. Welcome, Abdullah. Lou, thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you very much for such a very nice intro. I really, really appreciate it. You know, you're talking very highly of me, so you're setting the bar up high, which is good. It's my pleasure, mate. Uh, you, you made the decision to step into business ownership, was it five years ago now? Uh, yep, uh, six years almost. almost six six years. years now. Yeah, and you joined yep. the industry in 2008. So you've made that, I guess, classic transition from uh, new into the industry. Um, yep. Would you mind sharing your background in, and the skills you've developed from coming into the industry all the way through to where you are now, leading one of the fastest growing businesses in New South Wales? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so I started real estate straight out of high school, 17 years of age, 31 today. And um, I think I had, you know, I appreciate the principles I've had during the, you know, during that journey because I had to learn every um, aspect of real estate from front desk, property management, you know, the sign boy, all the way up to prospector, assistant, buyer's agent, sales agent, top performing sales agent, and then shareholder, from shareholder, then to um, the principal. So. Um, I think what I've learned from going from that experience is at a very young age and when I became, when I was, you know, writing really, really good figures early on, um, I knew that I wanted to own my own business because um, I was producing big numbers and I wanted to be in control of how that looked and grow my personal brand and personal team around me. So it was um, an interesting journey because I watched fellow peers and um, I watched fellow top performers not actually identify what they wanted and how they wanted to see their future on like look and so i think a lot of obviously when you know you're at that age that i was you you learn a lot of things um bits and pieces as well um but you know for example you know not having a partner at the time not having kids at the time so your goals and aspirations are different to where they are now but i think it was a great learning curve um for me going in because i learned um, all the things that I needed to do right and wrong to get to where I am today. So, yeah, it was. Um, it's been good to go through that momentum and learn that way. Um, I'm going on a rant now, so now I don't know what um what I should be um where I should be going to next. What was the rest of the question, Luke? Sorry, I was just ranting on. Well, perhaps maybe we take a step back um, because I think you, you've you've got an amazing backstory. Um, yep. Brought up in Gorakin. Um, do you mind uh, touching yeah, on your, yeah. your upbringing and your your history there in the area? Yeah, so I went to school with um, you know, I went to some of the local schools in the area. I grew up around here. Um, went to yeah, was probably a little bit of a troubled child, so I got myself in a lot of trouble. Um, went to three different high schools. Um, probably didn't have the best um name and reputation for myself because I like to have a bit of a party. Um, then from there, um, you know coming into the industry, um, you know, it actually worked out really, really well because people remembered me, but probably for the wrong reasons. Um, and then, yeah, just, I guess, getting out there and, you know, I guess being a different person, like like caring um, for what I wanted to do, actually starting to realise that I needed to make a name for myself, but in a good way. Um, but 
I actually originally started working a lot further than where I am today, um, a bit more south into the region. And um, I just felt that, you know, when I started to expose myself to real estate and what I was doing, I was getting attracted back to where I grew up, so around Gorick and, and around those areas. And that's, yeah, where we started to develop a lot of business. What advice would you share looking back over the last 10 or 12 years with the learnings and the benefit of hindsight? What advice would you share with a younger Abdullah stepping into the industry now? So this is probably more talking to newer agents who are wanting to make the step into the industry uh, and who are yeah. stepping into a high-performance culture. It can be intimidating taking that yeah, first step. Absolutely. Uh, what advice would you share? Be up, absolutely be completely transparent with your principle of what you wish to achieve and what you want to do. Um, whether it be owning a business, being a million dollar writer, um, having lifestyle instead of writing big figures, just be completely upfront and ask for a roadmap on how to get there. And make sure that's the first thing that I would do. The second thing is surround yourself with like-minded people um, that are doing it. So obviously your association within your business and your network is very important. Um, like in hindsight now, I would definitely not work with um, just one principal that's doing massive figures and no one else in their business is succeeding as well because um, that's a big alarm bell for me now. But yeah, surrounding yourself with people doing what you want to do and just being completely upfront at all times with what you're trying to achieve out of this industry and where you want to be in the future. Yeah, that's incredible. That's uh, really good insights. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that's all right, and, and now fast forwarding to now you're a business owner. Can you just share for the listeners what your business entails of now, where you started, where you are currently, yep. and what the future, the next, the short term, the next two to three years looks like for your business? Yeah, so um, I didn't usually start into business ownership, so just peeling it back a little bit before that. Um, so pro early 20s, I was um, at the time I was in the network that I was in, I was the biggest um, writer for GCI, um, and I was actually leaving the network that I was at to open up my own office by myself, with not in that brand that I was currently working in, that franchise group. Um, my principal at the time said, well, you know, he saw an opportunity, which in hindsight he did, you know, great business. He saw an opportunity to be able to leverage what my capability and ability was, which is I wanted to work really, really hard and own a business. So I probably did the, it's not the wrong thing because it's got to where I am today and I learned a lot of hard lessons mentally, emotionally and financially, but we dove, we dove straight in and um, bought Three office, a three office set up already, a former Ray White office where we are now. They had three offices, 30 odd staff, you know, about 300 odd management, um, straight off the bat at 24. And I owned, I was the, and I was the minority shareholder at the time, which I didn't really understand because at the time my principal was my leader slash business coach. So I didn't have any other advice. I didn't know what to do any better. So I just dove straight in. So it was just How raw exciting, energy yeah. and, and a strong desire to want to get ahead. You've seen others step 100%. into business and this was an opportunity too good to refuse. Absolutely. So I just wanted to jump right in and have a crack and go for it um, and be surrounded by the people that I trusted, you know, to get to where I was today um, to, to, at that point. Sorry. So yeah, did that and then learned within the very first six to 12 months that holy hell, that was definitely not what I should have done um, and it just you know um, I was just a really good salesperson at the time I was not I didn't know what a leader was I didn't know what anything to do with business was you know and then things started going wrong 
Um, you know, I just wanted to listen. At that time, I thought all I ever wanted to do was just listen to sell property. I didn't know how to lead people. I didn't understand the numbers. I didn't understand the finances. I didn't understand profit and loss, all that sort of stuff. And then I started asking questions with my partners at the time because, and this is great for young business owners because um, I, I don't know if I said this or not, but I'm only 31 at the time now. Um, I'm right doing this podcast, I'm only 31. At that time, I was 24. Wow. So I didn't understand the dynamics of how the business was going to work with two other shareholders that weren't actively listing and selling and being producers. So they weren't actually physically in the business as much as I was um, or in the roles that I was. So the actual income versus, um, you know, profit share was all, you know, wasn't explained to me so I didn't know any better. So the first 12 months saw a lot of tension build up, um, a lot of, you know, negativity and negative energy because we had a lot of the older staff, which at the time I didn't, like, again, I didn't know anything off. And at that time I made a realisation that I can't have, um, I guess my professional mentoring circle, I can't have just my business partners in there. And I got a piece of advice from a good friend of mine who's really good at business, still one of my best mates now. I need to step outside and get my own advice. So I got my own account and my own solicitor and that's when it all started unfolding, like, what the hell have I done? Pretty much, um, you know, what a lot of people in my position that might be listening to this might find themselves in that, you know, biggest producer, earning bugger all and my income was sustaining the whole business at the time and I was the minority shareholder. How many, so, how many partners it, were in that in that venture? Three. Uh, myself and two others. And were they were they revenue yeah. producing as well? Definitely not. It was like I was producing say a million versus a hundred. Okay. So um you know I was on terrible splits, you know, I was on a thirty percent split my way to pretty much say or thirty five percent. And um, the rest of it was reinvested in the business. And at the time, I didn't ask any questions because, again, I didn't know any, any better. Mm. But then a year in, I started realising something's not right. You know, I'm slugging my guts away, you know, working 70, 80 hours a week. My wife, at the time, who's still with me now, you know, um, I was never at home and it wasn't reciprocated the other way around. And that's when I started asking questions and then realised that probably the ownership structure and what I've got myself into um, probably isn't, I shouldn't have happened and I've probably, you know, raised an alarm bell. I had at the time who I still have now, a business coach, um, Michael Finger from Ray White Double Bay, great guy. Um, he's still a coach of mine now. And he started, you know, saying, look, this is what's going on. Um, you know, you pretty much, you didn't set it up right and it's not the right way and you just get screwed. So, so big learnings yeah. there. And, you know, I guess the benefit is that you've gone through that experience early on in your business life cycle which has Absolutely. led to the amazing opportunity that you've got at hand now. Uh, and the big learning there is um, make sure for any partners, potential partnerships out there, uh, be aware of your obligations as a partner and, and ensure that you do have an up-to-date shareholder agreement before stepping into uh, that sort of business relationship. 100%. It goes back to what I said earlier. Make sure when you first go into something, make sure you're completely transparent with what you're trying to achieve. Because I I was very transparent from my end that I, I wanted to own a business within five years by myself. But that didn't line up with what everyone else's visions were and that's where it started to get diluted and it ended up where it is today. Um, but moving forward from that, that then led into a really messy, um, I guess you could say 12, 24 months. Um, without going too deep into it, probably cost me half a million plus to get to where I am today. Um, a lot of um, headaches from staff having to be let go, 
an office closing, um, you know, a messy legal um, backwards and forwards um, battle with, you know, um, the other partners. Um, and then, if you, you know, and during that whole process, I guess, if you look at it now mentally, I had to continue to write the dollars because I was the main producer. And if I didn't, not just would I be losing financially what it cost me to buy up people at the time, I would have also lost revenue um, whilst I was trading. So it was it started getting really messy real quick. Um, and I will say this, the best, the, only, the best thing that kept me in my headspace was having the right support circle outside, not just with family, but I mean by coaches. And I always kept true to what I said, which was I knew deep down my intention was pure and I didn't do the wrong thing. And I'm not saying they did do the wrong thing, but we just were never clear from the start what the final vision looked like. And it was all just really quick and rushed. And because our visions didn't line up at the start, that's why what happened happened and where we are today. Yeah, it can be a recipe for disaster when you've got raw energy, lots of emotion. You end up with a highly reactive business that uh, unfortunately, and particularly the added complexity of a partnership, it can be uh, a recipe for disaster. So amazing lessons learned early on. Um, but fast forward to today, you've got two offices yeah. trading, one in Tumbiabi, one in Berkeleyvale, and a third office soon to be opening. Um, and yeah, you've got right. one additional yeah. partner in Andrew who is an amazing support um, from within. Um, yep. and, and there's an exciting new chapter about to, to open up for you. So how do you feel about the future now from where you currently sit compared um, to where you've come from? Yeah. Oh, look, it's just a whole different, it's just a whole different mind, um, like a mindset level now. And, you know, it just, I just wanted to touch on that with the intention part that I was just talking about. Even though my two partnerships failed, my two other partners, one of them, we don't talk anymore because, you know, that was a pure blame. The other one, which I know Luke has met, and I have a lot of respect for Mark Gibbs, he's still in my business today now. And I value, he, he actually runs, I call it special projects and does all the most trusted stuff and spends a lot of our money. But that's because our intention and our, our, it wasn't anyone's fault what went wrong. And we highlighted that and had a mature business conversation about that. And that's why we're still on a, we're on a personal level and on a business level still very close. So he's in our business day to day still now. Um, but yeah, fast forward today, um, you know, it's just a different mindset. Like, you know, I always say to any person that joins my business, I look at it this way. I took the plunge as a business owner. It's my responsibility to think as a business. If any employee or any salesperson, admin, marketing, accounts, it doesn't matter what level of person comes into our business, even a junior trainee, their responsibility, not just in the world, but in business and in your life, it's them. What's best for them? My responsibility is what's best for them and the business because I accepted that responsibility being a business owner, not them. So if they, you know, I have it with agents all the time, you know, um, I used to be very fearful going to my former principal saying, oh, I deserve more or can you do this for me, can you do that? Our mindset in our business is you come to me with what you want, how it's going to benefit you and what it's going to do for the business. And we're not, we don't have to win more or win less, but just how it's going to overall be better for everyone. And let's go for it. Let's run with it. We want to support everyone because we want to grow together and we want this to be a long-term relationship for, you know, the next 25, 30 years. And that really has helped me because when I go to get people to sign on to us or when people want to, like I get calls weekly or fortnightly from people wanting to join our business and we don't have to advertise anymore, but it's all about a 25-year or 30-year plan. You know, how do you see yourself lining up with us and making this journey together for what's best for you 
so that you can shine and then the business, you know, benefits from it as well. Mate, that's, that's incredible insight. Thank you. And, and the greatest asset in any business is its people. Can you share how you nurture, encourage and engage your team to keep them productive? Because the energy in your business is infectious. When you walk in the front door of that reception, you can feel the energy. There's a buzz and there's a yeah. high level of passion and loyalty to you. Uh, that's, that's an incredible accomplishment and it's not seen in every business that we walk into. Uh, how have you achieved that in such a short space of time? I was fine when I say this because I seriously love all my people that are in my business. I would do anything for them. But the biggest thing is um, they every single person that's in this business knows, it doesn't matter if it's personal or business, I have their back 110%. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, I take, I, I know a lot of people when they hear this, you know, think, what the hell? I joke about it, but it's so true. And my business partner, Andy, sometimes, like, sometimes, like, not cringes, but he's like, oh, God. I literally give out the business card to even the trainees. They've got access to my business card, to my accounts, everyone. Like, if they need it, they don't have to tell me what, it, what they're doing. Take the card, go. And um, a lot of people don't do this, which I think is wrong, but I do it. I, you know, all my, everyone's in this business. They come, they come to my house. They've met my wife. They've met my kids. This is a family-based business. I run this business like we family values because I'm not thinking short-term. I want every single person here to be with me for 25, 30 years and I want to do what's best. I want to treat them like I treat my own family. Simple as that. Because our philosophy is you're going to be here and I, everyone that starts here, I tell them the same thing. You will be spending more time with these people than you do with your own blood. Why wouldn't you want to have fun and work together in a happy place, first thing? And second thing is, if there's anything that ever goes wrong, you sort it out instantly, get, get it over and done with. Like if you have an issue with someone, have a conversation, get it over and done with, smile, appreciate you had a mature conversation, learn from it and move on. That's, we don't have any issues or disagreements that way. That's, what, that's why your attention that, is so strong. Um, but yeah. you've also got a clearly aligned core values, which is consistent with all your staff. Um, with a rapidly expanding business, you've got another half a dozen agents joining very, very shortly. Yep. Recruitment in the industry is generally done fairly average, be fair to say. Yep. Um, yep. How have you achieved success with recruitment uh, and developed this amazing team culture with lots of different personalities that are that are blending together? Um, how have you achieved that? Um, I think the big thing, the big answer to that one is that you know I know social media plays a massive part in it, but so does word of mouth. We have a we work real hard but we have a lot of fun and no one talks ill about our business outside. Like if you ask any one of our employees, if you were to bump into them and say, oh, what's it like working at Stone? It's not, oh, you're working for a door. It's because it's not about me. It's about everyone. Like so much fun working in the office. We do this, we do that. You know, we always keep, you know, culture and, you know, have fun and have activities. So when people hear that and then they see it again, like, you know, we're, we're constantly, you know, I, I know Lucy and I have spoken about this, but we're not just marketing for listings, we're marketing for good people to join our business because our doors are always open to good people. And so they see in the industry, people within the industry see us having fun with us getting the results and they're like, oh, wow, you know, these guys are doing what we want to do, but not just are they doing it, making money, having, and they're having a good time. Like that's the big difference. Um, and I don't want people to join our business that are just here treating it like oh, I come to work then I go home and I've got my own. Like everyone's got their own social group. But if we have a gathering, everyone's there. If we're going to dinner, we're going to, you know, a 
know, we, we're like, we're going in the next two weeks, we're going um, once more fasting finishes, we're going to Trinity Point, a nice restaurant. Everyone's going. Get a bus organised, cocktails, dinner, you name it, because we've had a great start of the year, we've had a great changeover, and we're having fun. The people see that, and they want to be a part of it, and a lot of that isn't in our industry anymore. Like, I, the, you know, I remember working for someone that, you know, if you went to a work function, to pay for your food, like what the hell is that shit? You've got your take the principal's making you pay for everything, not just taking a cut out of your pie, but he's also making you or she's making you pay. Like, I remember being that person feeling that way, and it's just not on. So, a lot of our recruitment is done word of mouth throughout our own staff, and it just it just spreads through wildfire. But the other thing is knowing that you know, myself and Andrew's age versus all the other principals in our area, their ages, and our vision of we're not short-term thinkers. We're not relied on the business to make a massive profit because we both work hard as well through our, in our departments that we're in. So we're not, we're not like, we don't need to make X amount every year for the next 10 years because that's all we've got before we retire. We've got a 25-year vision. And when you tell someone that, you know, like I spoke to an agent that's in our local area that's a great producer that's jumping on board. And all I have to say to him is, mate, you know, I don't care if I don't make any money out of, like if we don't make any money. Like if we only make a five or ten percent profit over five years and we're making five percent every year for five years and I'm also listing and selling strong and Andy's doing property management strong, that's cool with us. Because we've still got twenty years after that. So where, can, where do nobody, you see the biggest challenges in the next five years for the industry? Is the problem that there's a gap in on the central coast mainly and also in the industry, there's a massive gap. There's principals that have just been profit focused and trying to suck as much as they can, though they're all forty five, fifty plus. And then the next line of shareholders or business owners, um, there's none. Because all they've done is given massive splits to really top-performing agents, and none of them have needed the desire to open up an office because there's been so much focus around that EBU model or a business within a business model where the agents employ their own um, people. that They don't need to be leaders. They don't need to have a business because they're running a business within a business. So the biggest gap I find is who the hell is going to buy these businesses? Like on the Central Coast, Luke, like you and I have chatted about this, there is not another business owner that's under the age. I don't know a single one close to my age. They're 45 plus. There's not a single one. So who's, who? like, like it's literally, I could say it in 10 to 15 years, like all my friends that are not in our network that are in other brands that are further out, you ask them, they've got no intention to want to, you know, um, buy in because they're on massive splits. They've got five, six investment properties or you know, maybe 10 properties by the time they're 35, what's the desire to go put yourself into debt or buy a business and run it and have the headache? Indeed. Mate, there's been a lot of talk with PropTech. I want to get your thoughts on this. PropTech and also the role of branding. Um, there's so much commentary around this. And in our view, the PropTech and the systems and technology that, that agents and principals are engaging in is only as good as the quality of the agents that are turning up. This is a people business. The fabric of our business is relationships. Having said that, uh, what, where, what role do you see PropTech playing in our industry, in your business, um, and how have you seen the transition and the development of the brand locally in, in the past month? So, um, obviously, two parts there. Firstly, PropTech and whatnot is exactly what you just said. That is just there to free up our – in my business, this is my view, and my, you know, the people in our business agree – the technology is just there to free up the time for the people to be able to spend more time with the consumers that already love us and they're our clientele. So we can spend more quality time having quality conversations with them and making sure we service them to a level that they become a client for life so that, um, and this is how our business thinks. We want people to be client for life for us so that when they think 
like if you go out and ask somebody who's your doctor who's your lawyer who's your accountant who's your mechanic we want them to say if someone says who's your agent that's those guys from stone tumby umby and berkeley and that's the role of tech is to free up our agent's time to be able to spend more quality time face-to-face or quality conversations with their clients to build them to a relationship level that all they ever think of is that team or those people um so that's how i think of prof and the tech coming out and going on to what was the second part sorry Luke? No, the, uh, market, the role of branding and marketing in in engaging with consumers um and also potential yeah. recruits yeah it, it's it's interesting like we've been so now it's been almost a month and you know we've rolled out a lot of marketing you know we've got the social, the letterboxing, the everything you think of, the signs, the, you know, we've got buses, we've got everything. But the common tone and what we're hearing is how clean and fresh it looks. And I know that we've had some exclusive eyes and, you know, we've used some of the new marketing that's out there. It's great to have a marketing, but to be supported by a brand that is staying up to date and evolving their marketing. Like you guys have been around five, six years and you've already brought out a new fresh look. Like that's ahead of the curve. That's not heard of on the coast like you know there's a lot of these people that are using colors to try to stand out well you're not really standing out because it's being clean and professional and looking the part like looking quality and that's what we've heard from our changes you guys look fresh you look clean you know you know the timber feature wall like my our main office at tumby you can't miss it when you're out the front and people are saying it so i think it plays a very big part in attracting obviously the people um, but it's attracting clientele and agents as well. Uh, you've also created some incredible digital assets which are distributing very effectively through your local market. Can you talk to some of those strategies that have generated strong results for you as well and for your vendors? Yeah, our, yeah, absolutely. Look, our social media strategy, um, you know, obviously with the support of um, the same marketing people like Charlie and his team, um, with my marketing manager, Jess, the social media strategy has been absolutely phenomenal. I can guarantee we've had listing a week but i think um you know with the introduction of our agents our officers and all the other strategies that we've done but the big thing is that we hit it very hard and we've hit it um consecutively it's like the old thing i remember in when i first started in the industry you, know, you can't just let a box drop for one week or two weeks you need to do it consecutively for six months and you need to be invest the time and money so that you can see the return like our social media budget um, went through the roof, like from an office perspective, probably around $10,000 a month. And then um, the agents are probably all spending 500 or so a month as well. And, you know, it, it's paid, it's been paid back in dividends because everywhere we go, I was only saying the other day, we went into Westfield, Tuggera, and people were coming over to me saying, oh my God, congratulations on your change. And, oh, your offices look so good. These are people I've never met before, but they know me based off our social and based off, you know, um, our target marketing. Yeah, I think the days are gone. We're putting a, a full page out in the paper saying same face as a different brand as a launch strategy are gone. It is now far more strategic and targeted <coughs> uh, and the messaging is far more effective with the digital assets that are at our disposal. Abdullah, Absolutely. Mate, we really appreciate your time today. Um, your energy is infectious. I feel like I've had a cup of coffee. I'm buzzing. Thank you so much for your, your insights um, and, and, and all of those learnings and, and opening up and for, for sharing your journey today. We're incredibly excited to see what the future holds. And uh, if anyone would like to get in touch with Abdullah, he'd be more than happy to, uh, to share Absolutely. his learnings and, and um, 
and keen to connect with everyone. So, mate, I really appreciate your time and, uh, and we'll speak again shortly. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on the Stone Real Estate Industry Podcast. To learn more about us, be sure to visit us at stonerealestate.com.au. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player so you don't miss out on any future conversations with industry peers. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast and the conversations on today's show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply make sure you tell a friend about the conversation we had. Be sure to join us on our next episode with more information to inform and inspire you. Bye for now.